This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time now for Sensing Bros, a program about whānau, well-being and personal growth. This program is about natural buzz. There's a group of us brothers who are living alcohol and drug free and we want to share our stories and celebrate the things that are going right in the world. There's a lot of negativity. We're about positivity. We come from diverse cultural backgrounds, Samoan, Tongan, Māori, and we just want to share the love. Welcome to Sensing Bros. I hope you've had a peaceful day and there's a peace-filled Evening ahead of you. My name is Phil Sietanga. I'm a counsellor with Mapumaya, a national provider of counselling to Pacifica peoples, uh, particularly specialising in working with people struggling with gambling and also alcohol and other drugs. Anyway, let's start off with one of my favourite all-time songs, I think it was written in heaven and then given to herbs. But uh, the people performing it are some of New Zealand's finest artists. So let's start on a good note. Today's show is going to be about the rougher side of our emotions, including the root of bitterness, anger, and the kind of frustrations that are really palpable at the moment in our country. Not just in our country, but but in many, 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 many places in the world. And it's it's been keeping me up late, pondering what to say and what to do. Uh, my lane, or the lane that I, I pretty much have walked in most of my life, has been in the uh, front line, social services. And so I'm going to shout out to all of those people who have been in healthcare, who are delivering healthcare and social services in our communities today. So take it away. Sensitive to a Smile, the versions by Aotearoa, All Stars. Beautiful. Trust, no room for hate. So open up your heart and don't look away.
Hope you enjoyed that song. Sensitive to a smile. Those lines, I love the way that that's, what a way to start the day. Eh? There comes a time in everyone's life, no room for mistrust, no room for hate. Open up your heart and don't look away. Well, it's pretty hard to look away at the moment from what's happening in New Zealand with the uh, protests at Parliament and really evident of this kind of flow of frustration that I'm sensing many of us are experiencing. So I started the uh, show with the words peace and I'll ask a couple of questions, something for you to reflect on, something that I've been reflecting on. Where is your sanctuary? Where is the place where you can just take the load off and find rest? Where is the place where you can be still? And where are the moments uh, that you find yourself being thrilled to be alive. Eh? I hope in your life, I have people in my life who tell me, and I say this with, with, uh, with some humbleness, that they 
that they, well, pull it this way, they're thrilled for me. They're genuinely happy for me. They're glad I'm around. And I hope you've got people in your life that are giving you that encouragement. It's deep. It's uh, it's not some sort of superficial fear weather praise. There's a deep uh, sense in which we need to be, if you listened to the show before last, uh, grateful. But I won't go into the five gratitudes. I might repeat them uh, as we get to the to the close of the hour. So frustration is a kind of like an emotional energy and attention that we all experience. And the light side of frustration, or what what I see as the purpose of us experiencing that frustration, is to learn from it and to learn how to practice delayed gratification for one thing, but also patience. It's a wonderful, I think, all-time uh, favorite scripture that one can find if one is still reading the Bible in First Corinthians 13 and it begins with love is patient, love is kind or patience precedes kindness which is an interesting idea so the light side of frustration is that it teaches us uh, how to be patient and the old term was long-suffering how to suffer long there's only so much tension however that we can manage without wanting to escape it and so frustration becomes stress stress may not move in the positive direction you stress means to kind of use your energy but it's actually quite positive so we know that there's a certain amount of discomfort that we've got to feel to to get somewhere, whether it's achieving some sort of um, physical goal in the gym, mental goal, intellectual goal, it's a, it's a positive stress that moves us in that in that direction. But when it becomes dis- distress, it creates a kind of anxiety that we need to resolve. So I've been thinking along these lines. I've been thinking about the peaceful protest, pro-social activism. Pro-social activism is the idea that you can stand up for what you believe and for what you consider is right, but you do it maintaining warmth. You do it maintaining a way of being that doesn't regress into throwing feces at people you don't agree with, which I heard had happened in the capital this week. And I started to wonder, well, okay, to get to the point where you are willing to dehumanize someone to the point that you're going to throw your waste at them is hate. And it's not just bad behavior. It's psychologically uh, in, in a place of rage. And that ain't a peaceful protest. You know, one of the most peaceful protests that one can have in the most difficult of times, and I'll use this as an analogy, is to find your way of reacting 
to really difficult circumstances, not being driven with highly charged emotional reactions. It can be highly charged and emotional responsiveness, quite a different thing. So one of the great dark uh, corners in the lives of the people that I am with and in my own life, or the room inside the mansion of our mind, if you like, is a space where the shadows reside. And those shadows, in the way that I'm using it as a metaphor, the room as a metaphor, are the places where we can decide how we're going to be what we're going to be like with other people, how we're going to raise our our concerns. If we don't have an anchor into love, then we really are adrift on some pretty stormy seas. It's a bit of a frustration uh, for me. And watching, I'll give an example of how paranoia I won't go into too much of this around the paranoia side of things. Misinformation, a certain kind of theology, a certain kind of religiosity. You could call it conspirituality, as some people are coining the idea of uh, when we're religion goes bad. But, you know, it needs to be addressed. And I'm going to do a, another show where I kind of tap into this a lot more because I've seen some people in my neighborhood painting an incredibly diminishing picture of human beings and using the good news as a kind of theological hammer and at the extreme end of probably the right, the alt-right using the same words but in a context that I think is is misleading and to the point where it's producing a lot of anxiety and fear about the destination of humankind at large and so in that in that religious space the preaching of the end times and the separating of the sheep from the goats and the final judgment and uh, mixed up with a view of the the uh, political geopolitical landscape and the decline in society of morals, those things um, become quite damaging for people because, in a way, they prevent people from engaging with the here and now and with what's present. They may relieve some of the fears that people are, are carrying around what they perceive is going on. But they tend to um, create an other wilderness that makes them less attentive to looking out for their neighbour. And if anything, especially within the... Uh, within the church that I'm speaking of needs to be redressed it's an orientation towards being more neighbourly and being 
a community that is actually doing something in the real world of relieving suffering. So we'll go into that. We'll go into that a little bit later in another show. But it has also been a lane that I've been um, driving down and trying to make sense of. Anyway. Question. Behind a lot of what I see uh, and the stories that people tell me is the struggle to overcome resentment and bitterness. And that the masking of the resentment and bitterness that we can hold on to. And it can go in a couple of of directions. Um, I think one of the root evils in the world is arrogance. Which means that humility is the antidote. But if I ask people what is humility and, and, and what does it look like in their life... It's quite interesting how people perceive it. Are you pursuing humility? Well, humility is really a position of choosing not to use power in a way that is manipulative and controlling and coercive, eh? So you recognize humility when somebody comes and um, has a certain way of, of deferring. So humility and interpersonal engagement is really about listening so that other people feel heard. That is the, that is the center point, I think, of good counseling, listening so other people feel heard. And the wisdom that you carry in that space is, are you someone who does that? And also, have you experienced that recently? Because if you haven't been heard, it moves into another space where, and I'm sure this is part of the peaceful protest climate, that needs to kind of chill out a little bit, is that we don't feel heard. So there's a desire, there's a deep, deep desire for being treated fairly. And part of that fairness starts way back in the days of our babyhood and our need for bonding and attachment and our development. It's like there's something written deep inside our DNA, like we're kind of coded to seek out being loved. And the next part is through that process learning how to to love. And we create these sorts of, uh, if you like, expectations and roles and values and our norms and are socialised into thinking about what that actually means as we get older. So maturing really is a, 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 the development of character. Getting to the point, character is 
unavoidably a process of learning how to be patient. In addiction, we talk about it in terms of um, uh, delayed gratification and learning how to replace, get control of the urges that sometimes lead people into into the addiction behavior. Yeah. So, time for another song. We've kind of rolled into into the idea that maturity, character development, begins very early on in life. One of the things I will say is that the ideas around entitlement, I'm entitled to, uh, I can accept that there are many things in life that I personally do not have control over, the externalities of life, the circumstances of life, some of the things that come my way that I wish didn't. But the one thing that I do have control of is my attitude, my attitude towards them. Anyway, in the spirit of goodwill, to those who around the world are uh, looking for change, here's a song that I find is incredibly uh, always moving. Change is going to come, people. Change is going to come. The change I'm talking about in this show, though, is the transformation of our hearts. And the, the challenge is to keep our hearts. It has been for most of my life to try and Keep my heart tender. So, for the tender-hearted and for those who may be the frustration is slipping into something else, some other way of being, this is a song that may be a little bit more hopeful.
keep telling me Don't you hang around It's been a long A long time coming But I know oh, A change is gonna come So we've been talking a little bit about frustration and the power that that we all have actually to choose our attitudes to difficult circumstances. So if anything, patience is uncomfortable because we have to hold back and basically put up with things that we really want to change in an emotional state. It's really important, I think, particularly now that some of the divisions that we're, we are seeing and the polarization of, of people into different kinds of groups, some of those groups uh, are based on a common interest that I think will implode as time passes because the thing that keeps them together is not the common good at the end of the day because some of that frustration and behaviour that I really don't like I really don't like uh, people abusing other people so when abuse is is, um, being thrown out at people and I'm talking in the context of peaceful protest, 
we're really we're really getting into the the kind of um, transactions that are childish. They're not coming from an adult to adult space at all. They're generally underneath it, coming from people who are unreflective, have a high sense of entitlement, maybe haven't been listened to for a long, long, long time, and are expressing a deep-seated anger at their place in society. So they're often in the marginalised and isolated and quite disconnected space. I think also there's a lot more people who have a generosity of spirit and don't approve of that behaviour. So holding on to that is really, really important because we do tend to get bite-sized images and sound bites of what is happening. And I'm not there. I'm not in the day-to-day. I'm not able to kind of experience what's happening. So I don't know if it's more festive and if these are just highlighted fringe elements. But the fact that they are there are really are really concerning and and really an indication that that you know things are getting to a getting the volcano, if you like, is beginning to rumble. I'm. I hope though. That I hope that the conversations that need to be had, had with the people who are of a much more pro-social orientation, that those those kind of conversations with the right people at the right time will be had. And I do, I do wish the police um, and the protesters really well in that in that difficult difficult place, understanding that the purpose of having conversations that are awkward and difficult and really expose the heart of our values is important. They're not just arm wrestles of, I want this and you, I want you to give me that. They're, they're really difficult conversations because perspectives and power in the world of politics are at play. But the conversation should be had, the talanoa should be had. And I'm wondering when that that room is going to open up for people. Because people have the right, and when I say right, it's an, you know, people, people need to have confidence that they are being heard. That's true of everybody. No one gets away from this this need. Uh, it's fundamental to our social bonding. It's fundamental to social cohesion. Where are the spaces and processes 
where the voices from the margins can sit together, agree on what's important, disagree on what's important, and behave as mature adults. And what's the threat and fear of not having those kind of conversations? Trudeau in Canada, for example, just maligning, maligning and and taking extraordinary measures to shut down a conversation. And just really to to put earmuffs on and and uh, very myopic, very myopic way of seeing the power of the conversation with uh, different people to change and to kind of ameliorate, ameliorate the um, the difficulties. So this really is, it's a politics, but it's also a politics of the heart. Again, just reiterating, and the question being really, you know, in your life, have you always been treated with the utmost respect and fairness? Have there been situations where you have been treated unfairly what do you remember about how you responded to those? What were the keys to overcoming that sense of ability? You know, and sometimes it might have been that you, you actually went and said something. And then you went agreed with, but you felt better because you were able to say it. So I'm using that word fairness in, 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 the, in the sense that, you know, we perceive justice, social justice. And social justice might go a little bit further in, in terms of invoking and evoking those, those emotions that really stir us up. I'm also thinking a lot about the, the manner in which people who've, who have led movements like that Has, has also been one where peacefulness was a part of their heart cry for non-violent type activism. Well, okay, I've, I've said it, hurling abuse at people who are not part of a protest is dehumanising. It's, it's, um, there's an old thing I learned many, many, many years ago in thinking about the it's called the Hegelian dialectic. But it was an idea or a view of history that often got it's been interpreted as a view of history where an oppressed people's finally have enough and so rise up, overthrow the oppressor, but then pick up the tools of the oppressor and become what they thought they were overthrowing. You know, a, you know, a very, very simple way of saying saying that at the same time is that often 
people who have been hurt in the multi-layered sort of experience of their lives will hurt other people. And in counselling, a lot of what we do is to unpack both the responsibility and the capacity that people have not to not to become victims of those circumstances, but to rise above it. The other thing, too, is that apart from the misinformation, disinformation, and this new phrase I heard, malinformation, uh, that that we're trying to make sense of what's going on with, the th- the bottom line really is in the world that we are each experiencing around us. And so with all the uncertainties and unknowns that are going going on, What's really changed? What has changed in terms of our own personal power to maintain a tender heart? And that's worth pondering. Well, a lot of it will be the stresses of the uncertainty of income. of being able to protect and to provide and, and those sorts of uh, things that we carry around with us in terms of our our purpose. Some of those are just basic um, human needs. How are we going to pay for the bill that's coming in six weeks' time? The stress that gets loaded onto that and some of the influences that are tending towards creating despair, nihilism, fatalism. You know, the idea that civilization is really going under. I mean, a lot, there's a lot that's really happening that's not in our sphere of influence. It's in our sphere and it's influencing us because we're uh, feeding, feeding a lot off it. So how are you protecting your sanctuary and the sanctuary of of your spaces and hopefully your home is a sanctuary from the catastrophizing and the existential anxieties that at the end of the day you and I may be giving too much space in our lives too. So this draws us back to the things that really bring joy. What are we doing to look after our neighbour is one way of putting it. What are we doing to look out for our family How are we simplifying our purpose? And how do we keep at bay the things that actually pull us into fearing and often false narratives, false narratives of empowerment, also the false narratives of our self-talk that can actually pull us down. 
how we maintain in our direction and a future optimism. But when we started this show, that was what it was all about, really. How do we uh, nurture, you know, deep hope? But you can't do without love. And I guess the other uh, thing is the maintaining of our dignity, which is sometimes called, you know, uh, mana enhancing. If you're going to have a protest, make it mana enhancing for as many of those involved as possible. So what does mana enhancing look like for you? How are we going to maintain our dignity? When that some of those forces that are just perpetuating really toxic narratives of hate and mistrust seem to be um, getting the headlight, the headlight, or spotlight, I should say. I hope you really are finding what you need to keep you above the line. really encourage you uh, to think about frustration in terms of the the character defining impact that it can have on us. So wrapping up, thank you for uh, listening and so just to close the show, whatever you have planned for the evening, I hope you find some refreshment and bring some refreshment into the lives of the people who you are thrilled exist. And a final thought. I've talked mainly about the heart and talked lightly about the psychology behind uh, some of our, our behaviours when faced with, with challenging circumstances. I haven't entered into the critical debate around the issues, primarily because I would need to kind of unpack a whole lot of uh, things that take take me away from the heart of this podcast. And the heart of it is in our theme song, which we'll go out with, Where is the Love? Oh, and I, I will say this, be the love and be loved. Amen. Only attracted
to the things that'll bring the trauma. Overseas, yeah, we trying to stop terrorism, but we still got terrorists here living in the USA, the big CIA, the Bloods and the Crips and the KKK. But if you only have love for your own race, then you only leave space to discriminate. And to discriminate only generates hate. And when you hate, then you're bound to get irate. Yeah, madness is what you demonstrate, and that's exactly how anger works and operates. Man, you gotta have love just to set it straight. Take control of your mind and meditate. Let your soul gravitate to the love, y'all. People y'all. killing, people dying, children hurt, and you hear them crying. Can you practice what you preach and what you turn the other cheek? Father, 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 help us send some guidance from above. These people got me, got me questioning. Yeah, we only got one word, one word. That's all we got, one word. 